Welcome, everyone, to Stories of Hope. I'm Christine Hotchkiss. You see, I believe everyone has a story that is unique, just like our fingerprints that put us on the path and the journeys of our lives. Some find purpose. Every story can help, heal, inspire, educate, and my biggest word of all is to give hope. Today, we're talking to an organization that's in Arizona that is making a big difference in its community, and that is... We're moving forward. It is an all-volunteer 501c3 nonprofit organization that is dedicated to enhancing the lives of Arizonans impacted by brain injury. Their goal is to promote community integration through social and recreational activities, provide support, and help make valuable connections for survivors, their families, and of course, we can't forget the caregivers, the caregivers that create an overall sense of inclusion. The two ladies that I am going to be speaking with today are the president of this organization, that's Rhonda Alcor, and co-founder, Tara Pepitone. Just a little bit about the two of them and how they actually came together is they too were on a journey similar but not exactly the same. Rhonda's son, Austin, suffered a severe traumatic brain injury in 2006 at the age of 18 after he fell asleep at the wheel of his car and enrolled seven times. As with many families in this situation, they were initially told that he most likely wouldn't survive, and if he did, he'd remain a vegetable or in a vegetative state of mind. Austin spent five months in inpatient hospital, of which three of those months were in a coma, and then he went through outpatient rehabilitation and then all-day rehabilitation programs for three years. This is where Rhonda realized after 23 years in the mortgage and escrow industry, it was becoming evident that her son, as well as their family, had a long, uncertain road ahead of them, and she had to quit her job to become Austin's full-time caregiver. My other guest is co-founder Tara, and she has also a story where her son, not the exact same one, her son, Adam, was injured September 5th, 2010, at the age of 19. He was shot in the head in a drive-by shooting when he was leaving a friend's house. My heart just dropped. He went, he had spent over three months in ICU, acute care, and inpatient rehabilitation. But since his injury, he was, he has been a volunteer at the Arizona Red Cross, manning the front desk and processing their new volunteer application processes. Please help me welcome my guests, Rhonda and Tara. Hello, ladies. Hello. My heart sank to to read these so i can only imagine that you had the same thing when you're hearing someone else say it and you live it every day for sure yeah i'm i i have my own story and that's why i say everyone has a story and when you're a mom i think we take on the most responsibility you've already talked about how i've talked about how both of you had to become full-time caregivers for both of your sons how did the two of you meet to found and create such a great organization? Well, we actually met at a support group um, along with one of the other original founders, um, Linda Countryman, that's no longer um, active in the organization, but her and her son still participate occasionally. And um, I had already started an activity group um, and Tara and Linda were the ones that always were there, had always... uh, Offer to help out, just always pitching in without even being asked to do so, offering up ideas and things to do. Um, That 
activity group originally was started for survivors ages 18 to 30, more of a younger group, uh, mm-hmm. because that's what my son was at the time. And just as a way to get them out and active doing something after their brain injuries, we kept hearing in the support group setting um, at ed- educational conferences and things that I went to that um, the survivors had lost all their friends and that nobody gets it, right. um, meaning brain injury, because it's just such a different thing to deal with because everyone presents differently in, in what, what they've gone through and the new person that they now are. Um, so... Um, that started becoming really popular to where older people wanted to attend, people from the other side of the valley. Um, that's when one of the moms uh, approached me about um, turning this into a nonprofit. And so chatted with Linda and Tara, um, and we kind of hem-hawed about it and just finally decided that we thought we could make it work. We all had the different things that we were good at. And so we went to the attorney that this gal recommended. And in uh, June of 2014, we started the process and we had some survivors come together. They thought they were just naming our group, but in fact, they were naming what the organization was going to be and they didn't know it. And we made the surprise announcement at a Christmas party that year and everybody was thrilled. And we have just grown tremendously since then. Tara, do you want to add to that? No, she covered it very, very well. <laughs> Who'd have thought that something that traumatically happened in your lives, where your lives were, and I can vouch for this one with my own story, was turned upside down. And now, because of it, you're helping other people. And so are your sons based on their, their stories, their survival of both of these incidents. Because accidents like this, like it was stated in here, uh, if you were to live, well, you have that other side that you are. And that is fabulous to know. So let our, uh, tell our listeners more about what exactly that you guys do for your community in Arizona. Terry, you want to take this one? Well, for We're Moving Forward, we uh, facilitate activities and events for uh, brain injury survivors, and we have a variety of activities that we do, you know, hopefully get back to the in-person stuff soon, but, uh, and we always try to be mindful that uh, everybody has different abilities, whether it's uh, cognitive, whether it's a mobility or anything like that. So we try to keep, and everybody's interests are different. So we try to keep a very varied um, listing so that there's opportunities for everybody to be involved, uh, whether they like more physical activities or they like a more, uh, you know, like arts and um museums and plays and those types of things. We always try to keep a very uh, broad range available for everybody to be able to participate. Um, can you guys give our listeners a little bit more insight as to what I refer to and know of it as TBI, but it's traumatic brain injury because I actually attended one of your guys' events before I even knew you existed or knew who you were until recently 
um, it was a bowling event to be exact because I have a friend of mine who survived a horrible motorcycle accident. Um, and he was a survivor and, uh, another gentleman there had another incident of his own. Could you share what traumatic brain injury really is? Because you already mentioned how it's, it's different for everybody. Well, we're not medical experts, of course, but it's TBI stands for traumatic brain injury and you can have all sorts of different things happen depending on what area of the brain has been affected. Um, just like stroke is, is an acquired brain injury, but those folks still can have the same, present the same as somebody that has had a traumatic brain injury. And so um, depending, like I said, on the right or left side of their brain or whether it's the cerebellum, um, you have different um, challenges that can happen afterwards. You may have vision issues. You may have double vision now and have to wear prism glasses. Um, you may use a cane or a walker because you may have uh, balance issues now. You may not even be able to walk at all because it may paralyze one side of your body or the other. Um, speech, your speech can be affected. Um, to where you sound totally different or you may, we have a participant that doesn't talk at all. Um, actually he blinks to communicate and he can only use basically one arm. Um, so our participants vary greatly in the different challenges that they face. Um, some you can't even tell that there has been anything that has happened with them. And that's one of the reasons why it's called an invisible injury as well. Because uh, you may have someone that walks fine, talks fine, and but they may have different issues as far as memorizing things, remembering things, um, staying organized. They may get agitated easily. They may become overstimulated to where sounds and lights and things uh, bother them now. So um, like Tara said before, we really have to be mindful all the time of our participants and the challenges they may face. So we really try and, and uh, give a wide variety of different activities and events. So although one person may not be able to attend something because of overstimulation or something, they may be able to attend something else. Or like we do rock climbing over at a, a gym, you know, to where someone might be able to do that and someone may not. So those are kind of the things that traumatic brain injury survivors face. Now, Tara, I understand you're a full-time caregiver still with Adam. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. He still lives at home and uh, requires a lot more physical care okay. uh, due to his mobility issues and so forth. He is uh, actually, his diagnosis is a quadriplegia due to the brain injury. He's, so he is a full-time wheelchair user and... Um, does not have purposeful function of any um, processes basically from his chest down and his left arm is affected somewhat too. So I do do a lot of caregiving for him. You know, we, uh, I, I've talked to a lot of people and I'm an observer of people because for some reason people, they uh, amaze me and they intrigue me at the same time. It depends on the day and what they're doing, but um <laughs> 
there are three things that I, I've realized that not one single individual, and this would be one of those incidents or one of these times too, is there are three things that no one is exempt from, and that is pain, tragedy, or blessings. And one day we're doing like, I, I think you had mentioned, one of you had mentioned already, you're, you're going about your day doing your thing. And then all of a sudden something stops you in your tracks. Now you have a different, different outlook on life, a different journey, and you're, you're needed in a different area. You probably didn't even know you have the ability to do, and that now it's become your full-time thing. And with both of what you guys are doing, both you ladies are doing is remarkable because it can be on the average person, very taxing. Mm-hmm emotionally and physically, because Terry, you already talked about the physical part. You have to be with your son, Adam and Rhonda. We haven't talked about Austin, but I did see the video it shared with me and it was, it put me in tears because we do take things for granted. We really do. And, um, in a second, someone can change, but the stories for both of you guys is there's your sons are still here and there's still life within them and you still have that life to have with them. Um, and they're completely different types of injuries, but you've come together to say they're different, but they're the same and they're still people and they still need us. Mm -hmm. Um, what's that? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's definitely not like the movies or TV programs. You know, you don't have a brain injury and wake up, um, being able to do all the things you used to do. There's typically some kind of residual that is different, you know, whether it be mild or very severe. And that's a great thing to ask a question of now too, because from what I understand, both of these boys had to, or anyone who's had an accident such as that have to start all over from like newborn, right? Probably not everybody. No, but it does happen. Yeah. It does happen. Yeah. And, and definitely in our cases, um, yeah, they had to learn how to do everything all over again. So as, as if yeah. God didn't it's give like us you the- were mom raising a new baby all over again, you know, oh. so and when you progress. talk about that mom factor, you know, that's of course, as a mom, you just do it. It's just second yeah. nature to you. So. It is a second nature thing. Um, Real quickly, where, if anyone would be interested in being a volunteer, since this was mentioned, it's a whole, it's all volunteer based, where can you be found so that if anyone has any questions, wants to reach out to you, maybe wants to be a part of the program or spend some time to volunteer or even better, because we know this 2020 year has been very difficult on nonprofits as well as regular businesses, is being able to get those donations to keep those doors open, to keep those activities available to the people who need them. Definitely. They can go to our website. Um, it's wmforward.org. And we do have a donate button there. There's also a place where they can fill in a volunteer form. And uh, that goes right to us. So it lists what they're interested in, what days of the week they can volunteer and those type of things. The website, they can read more about our story. They can see personal stories from other survivors and family members all of our activities and events that are coming up so they can already go ahead and look at that calendar and see if there's something specific that they're interested in. Now, do we have anything coming up being in the month of October we just started? Well, we pretty much called off most of our in-person activities. Um, Towards the end of the year, as luck would have it, um, we typically have a few indoor events to where we have 100 to 120, sometimes up to 180 folks attending. 
So with everything going on with COVID right now, we did have to cancel those. Um, we did keep it a, um, a trip up north, which we're going to next week um, because the people that had registered already, um, all but three still wanted to attend. And so we're doing that with, you know, all the safety precautions and guidelines that, um, that are in effect. So we're going to go up and have a good time at uh, in Heber Overgard and take everybody out to Willow Springs for kayaking and boat rides. Oh, to be outside is definitely what we all need, right? When we've been cooped into our homes for so long. And then you caregivers don't get enough credit, ladies. I'm going to say that I worked in um, assisted living a few years ago. And I watch the caregivers and there is such a strain and demand on one individual with all the needs that is needed upon these people. And you have just one individual that you're doing and giving your time to on top of all the things around you, whether it's the organization or maybe even outside activities or finding time for yourself. So I want to say thank you and anyone else who's listening that is a caregiver in whatever field they are in because it's taxing and throw in this year on top of that. So. You're doing great. Um, Tara, I don't know if I asked, um, is there a certain age that this group is um, welcoming to? Because I think in the beginning we said that was how you were both a part of a support group, but was is there an age for your organization that is limited or, or I'm not quite sure. Is it- well, we generally have uh, a mixture of, uh, we have some activities that are 18 years old and only up and then we have some that are family friendly so that uh, people can bring their children and the children can get to know each other that are going through it or if there's a younger you know 10 12 13 year old maybe that's had a brain injury and wants to their family wants to get connected in and so forth and those are the activities that they can uh, participate in and so forth but um, you know we found there's some, um, there's a few more resources available for children. So our primary focus was on adults because, uh, you know, people were in the workforce or they were in school and they were, you know, so a lot of those relationships kind of went away. And so this was a way for them to have that availability to reconnect with people and to uh, socialize and just get out. Yeah. The caregivers need a break too. So when they're out there among other people and you said, you know, families, it, the individual who's had this injury, it's not only the individual that's affected by it, it's everyone that's involved in that person's life. And I don't remember if it was you, Rhonda, that said in the beginning that people go away. Um, it's crazy because I think maybe what they don't understand or know what to say or what to do or how to act. Can you give me a little insight on that? Because I, I know only what happened in my life where the people go away, but I've not been on your side to know why do the people go away? Well, and then that's the main reason why we created this was that the friends just disappear. And, and in some cases, we heard from people where their families totally disappeared as well. And it's it goes back to what I was saying about the different challenges they may face afterwards. Sometimes you have basically a completely different person. They don't act the same um, as they used to at all. So people feel totally uncomfortable around them. That's not the person that they knew and were familiar with. 
and um, they don't know or don't want to take the time, I guess, to find out why that person is is the way they are now, um, because there are a lot of resources for education to get educated out there for sure. Um, and, you know, someone we learned in um, rehab, which is one of the best descriptions I can give, is that if sometimes the way someone was before their brain injury, say if they were very timid or shy, or if they were uh, the joker, right, in the room, um, sometimes that button gets turned up, the volume gets turned up, and so that person is now extremely shy, or that person just jokes 24-7 now, you know, um, that's probably one of the easiest ways I can describe it. If, if it was somebody that was quick to anger before, they may be even quick to ang- quicker now to anger because that volume has been turned up. So it, everybody is just totally different. You see similar traits in, in some people. Um, and then, you know, it, it, it's just different. And, that, and that's the main reason why we started this. The second reason we started it was because we knew from our personal experiences that finances change. Um, we also heard from the caregivers in the support group and some of the survivors that um, even though we had started the activity group outside, you know, not an official nonprofit, some of them couldn't attend because they didn't have the funds to do so. So even though we had made that available, um, money was a big issue for them. So by creating this nonprofit and doing the fundraising that we do, like with our social bowl coming up in March of next year, um, we use those funds to help either pay the full cost of the survivors or a portion, sometimes depending on our budget and what we have available. Sometimes some of those activities and events will also be free to the immediate family or caregivers as well. Wonderful. Before I ask my final question, ladies, I know that both of you are very involved in your communities. I believe, Terry, you and your son actually work with the Phoenix um, Police Department, helping them in in a couple sentences or so. Can you give me a little bit more about that so that anyone that's in our community knows that our police department is actually out there learning how to understand that this is another condition that needs to be recognized where there's no wrongdoing without knowing that there was something they could understand? There's a couple different things. Um, The City of Phoenix Police Department, in conjunction with uh, Barrel Neurological, we were doing an all-day class with several different disabilities um, coming into the post-academy class for the very new cadets that were just getting ready to go hit the streets. And they would do full day educations on uh, specifically our part was on uh, brain injury and cognitive issues. And then because my son is a wheelchair user, he would also uh, touch on mobility issues, even little things like making the, you know, new officers come up and try and move his wheelchair. Mm. How do they figure out how to turn off the brakes to move a wheelchair if they need to, or what's the proper way to transfer somebody if they need to be moved for any reason. And then obviously all the cognitive issues, but the city of Phoenix police department also has numerous 
uh, boards that deal with all different types of things. Uh, the specific one we're on is the cross-disability board. So our cross-disability board covers everything from uh, deaf and hard of hearing, blind, uh any kind of uh, spinal cord, brain injury, it could be autism, um, the whole spectrum on that board. But they also have all different types of, you know, like uh, the black community or the Asian community or the um, Latin community. So they're very, very engaging and diverse in making sure that they have input from all different types. So we're very honored to be able to give our input into the city of Phoenix and um, how they run their police departments. You know, I give it credit to the police because they're having to do with so many different people, so many different situations, and not everything has um, a book or training because things are constantly changing, right? So, for anyone who is in law enforcement, I want to say thank you for all that you do. Even if no one tells you, I'm telling you, and you are appreciated because there is a lot for them to have to remember to do, not to do, because we act on impulse or we don't know what to do. So then we're like, well, what do I do? Because they're expected to have an answer. They're expected to act or not act. So thank you to our law enforcement. And thank you, Tara, for giving um, more information about how you and I'm, I'm assuming your son, too, is a part of this because he is an individual yes. that they needed to understand his disability. Um, and uh, Rhonda, you as well. And I know your son watching his uh, well. I call it a movie, the YouTube <laughs> channel that you had on there, because I did feel like it was a movie, watching him from when before his accident and how he has gone where he is today. The two of you also are um, engaged in the community, yeah. too? Yes, we are. Austin's very active. He's an ambassador for Arizona Disabled Sports. We're both um, what's called barrel connectors to where when someone is getting ready to discharge from the inpatient facility in Barrow, they try and match up someone similar. And so we'll get called in occasionally to go down and speak to uh, mainly the family at that time, because sometimes the survivors are still, you know, at a different stage. So um, and sometimes we'll talk to a whole um, conference room full of people if they have around six families discharging at the same time. So we do that. And then I'm, I've been involved in the Arizona Adaptive Water Sports programs out at Bartlett Lake, helping to volunteer and get people out on the water with uh, different adaptive equipment. Um, but, yeah, I love watching that. You know, just because you have a disability doesn't mean that you need to be treated differently, act differently, or live differently. Um, I have one last question before we are timed out, and that is... What message would you ladies like to leave our listeners based on your journey or about life in general? I'll let you go, go first. first okay. Yeah. Um, I guess the main message is that just because um, life has changed um, doesn't mean that it still can't be a good life. Um, it can be a great life. It may be different a little bit or may be different a lot compared to what you're used to, whether you are the person who has suffered an acquired brain injury or a traumatic brain injury, or whether you're a family member, you just need to connect, get connected. 
there are tons of resources out there, whether you are needing education or whether you are wanting to get involved in recreation, sports, socialization, those type of things. Um, so that's, that's my biggest takeaway I want people to know is there are places and there are folks out there that can help you. Wonderful. Tara? You know, Adam and I both say that um, we wouldn't have wished what happened to have happened, but because of it, we've had so many blessings in our lives. Uh, the ability to meet and uh, help other families and the experiences we've both been able to have have been a wonderful. It just takes putting yourself out there, um, being involved to the most that you're capable or want to be, and getting education. And that's a big, huge key. You know, unfortunately, doctors and so forth like to tell you, well, first year, first two years, that's all there's going to be. It never stops. The growth and the um, development and the changes for the good can happen eons later. So don't ever stop, you know, keep plugging along and get yourself connected to Great. a lot of people and they can help guide you through it. Great life lessons both of you have shared. Thank you, ladies. Uh, one last time, the website again. WMForward.org. Thank you, ladies, again, for being my guests. You have educated me, given hope, and I've seen the healing. Thank you for having us on today, Christine. Absolutely. To my listeners, thank you again for listening into yet another amazing organization in a community that is making a difference and giving hope, my one word. If you should have an organization in your community that you feel should be heard, or you have a story that you want someone to hear because it too could help heal, educate, inspire, and of course, give hope, please email me to the address of stories at christinehotchkiss.com. Until next time, everyone, I wish you well and you take care.